When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So just as a precursor, I'm going to be drinking heavily during this one because I've had a really bad game week. <laughs> Hello, so now the end is near, and so we face the final curtain, etc, etc, etc. It's a blockbuster end of the game week with that 5-3 result, and it's our final late-night pod of this rump of a restart. Hooray for normal sleep schedules and the end of hard work. Well, overnight hard work, that is. Joined today again uh, by Anthony and Nick. You are right, Nick? How you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. We're here. It's the longest season ever, and it's reaching its final conclusion this weekend on Sunday. Just time for... One final tinker before we all go again in a month's time, hopefully refreshed, and with those refreshed delusions of grandeur that we might actually do well at FPL again. Uh, just to remind people who we are, we are who got the assist, and you can find us on Twitter, mainly um, at WGTA underscore FPL for Tom, at WGTA underscore Nick for myself, our FPL stag for Anthony, and we're also on Instagram, so make sure to give us a follow there as well wgta.fpl and so yeah we're joined again by anthony how are you nick tom good to be back again uh, we're, we're almost there to the end of this season um delusions of grandeur is definitely a, a good phrase to think of really nick because I, I guess didn't we didn't think it would pan out this way but we do actually have a race for the top four that's become a slow horse race and united's form dip it's really kind of rivaling leicester's really since maybe Christmas time. So it's, it's tough. And, and, and for me personally, delusions of grandeur, I've missed another Trent Alexander-Arnold Hall um, after missing the game week 19, 24 pointer. I vowed it would never happen again, but here we are. Anywho, <laughs> let's move on to the agenda rundown before I, uh, go into the pit of despair on that one uh we'll start off with our gaming reviews as per usual moving into the market forces look at who people are buying basically punts ahead of game week 38 uh nick and i are both free hitting so the main topic of this pod is pretty much going to be me and nick talking about our free hit teams and tom talking about not being on a free hit and which punts i guess he'll be um putting an emphasis on um, in his transfers ahead of game week 38 and uh, then we move on to the listeners questions our transfers and our captains for 
for the coming game week. But let's start with the game week review. And it's really odd. Yeah, it is really odd. I'm going to go first, get it out of the way. I could insert a bleep noise here, which I probably should, um, to the answer of what went well, which we've got written here. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> this is frankly one of those days that I dislike being an FPL podcast because I'm going to come on and talk about it straight away. But actually what I want to do is go and lie in a ball and just cry. Uh, but the reality is that I, I haven't done very well. And I'm going to list off exactly why I haven't done very well for YouTube's benefit and everybody else's benefit. It's like the golden uh, cleric. <laughs> Except the inverse. I haven't won yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> I've won the worst. The second the second worst. No, I'm the worst. So I sold Greenwood for Rashford, who I captained on a minus four. I had no Burnley defender due to Charlie Taylor being injured. Um I didn't want to I decided against taking minus eight for the likes of Peters or Barsley. I had no Wolves defender because Sice didn't play. I had no Sterling, so I needed the minus twelve to buy him. And I had Pulisic first on my bench. So um, I, I'm not even going to look at the update, basically. Uh, just for my own sanity. But I've fallen about 100,000 places uh, this game week. I think there's 44 points net I've got, which basically has undone that, that bench boost. So if I believed in karma, I may think, you know, it's, it's all come round and I've had my good luck and now the bad luck is, is here, it's arrived. Um, yeah, so it needs to say I'm a little bit annoyed. It needs to say, as I said a little while ago, I, I'm I'm drinking. Um, but I guess it all comes down to the initial question that I asked a couple of weeks ago of the Outcome Bias pod. Was I happy with the decision I made? A small crumb of comfort is, yes. Rashford's ownership was so low that if he'd have bothered showing up, cheers, Dr. Marcus, um, that I'd have had a, a, a very large rank boost from that. Uh, would made sense to bring in ahead of Norwich. I should probably have looked at taking an eight for a Burnley player, but I mean, it's so easy to say after the fact. Um, I was happy to, like, with the decision. I still am. I probably would do it again. Maybe I'd take a minus eight for a Burnley defender in another world, but I mean, I think I was always going to do it given Rashford's ownership and given the effect of ownership. It just seemed like that was a logical thing to do and put the caption on him. Yeah, really pissed off. Um, that's just the way it goes and I'll be fine um, but yeah uh, at least I'm happy with the decision I made huh? Nick you're middle of the pile how have you done? Yeah so I'm not particularly happy with how the game week went but concerning your scoring comparison I feel like I don't really have much of a right to be unhappy because it wasn't as bad as your game week I finished it um, up with 67 points and that's looking like a small green small green arrow for me it started off pretty well with the double Burnley clean sheet with um, Pope and Tokowski both um, getting me six points each. Um, didn't get Peter's 12-point heroics, but, you know, I can't complain about a double clean sheet there. And then um, I had Danny Ings, and he was a bit of a frustrating in this game week, obviously, because he scored the first goal. Then he missed a penalty, and, uh, you know, it's a nine-point swing, ultimately, and FPL ended up with just four points from him, so that was a bit bit annoying and then we had the City game 17 points Sterling obviously probably the highlight of the game we didn't capture him but you know just have those 17 points sex and he did miss a penalty as well but luckily he scored the rebound um, on that case so uh, yeah happy with those points got six from De Bruyne unfortunately Mares didn't start came on for a cameo just got me one point so that was a bit annoying again uh, but um, with Wolves I had Roman Sice and he didn't show up so I didn't get any points from Wolves and their clean sheets instead I had Aaron Cresswell come on as a first sub. Not like um, Tom Moore and Dawson, I got two points on Cresswell. So I'll, I'll take those two points ultimately against Manchester United. But um, in that game, as, a, as 
was obviously our captain Bruno Fernandes and he, he chose this particular game week to get his first one pointer of the season. Nearly got himself sent off as well as he tried to headbutt whoever it was, Masuaku or someone. So uh, that was a bit idiotic of him. Luckily, just escaped the yellow. Also in Rashford, who only got one point in that game as well. But luckily, I had Mason Greenwood, who got the goal and the free bonus. So nine points there. So again, kind of a mixed bag. Can't overly complain compared to Tom, but still a little bit frustrated with the one-point haul from Fernandez, the captain. Um, finally, with the Liverpool game, Trent did the business. So uh, happy with that, 13 points. But uh, Pulisic on the bench. Um, didn't play um, or didn't start so I was happy at first but then he came on for a goal and assist and nine points which is annoying because if uh, Pep hadn't played Mahrez then I've got those nine points but oh well uh, 67 points uh, pretty, re- pretty decent how about yourself uh, Stag? Okay so I, I am top of the three of us for a third week in a row which in and of itself I guess is a fright because I think that's the, the, the only three times that it's happened whilst I've been a host of this show so I guess that's ridiculous in and of itself but it was 82 points that brings me up to just outside the top half million okay all good so far but when you consider that this was my bench boost week I don't think it has been a massive success now as as I spoke about to all of you before I I don't I ended up bench boosting now mostly because of indecision and pushing off and just hoping for something to happen that never really happened so I bench boosted just because I had to in game week 37 because I'm free hitting in 38 and it, like it wasn't the best of bench boosts put it that way like the the bench as I have it set up is Martinez, Egan, Lamp and Cantwell. Lamptey obviously got his clean sheet, so six points there. Everyone else was two. It, it wasn't a particularly sec- successful bench boost. I, I guess in the context of a season where I've actually benched double-figure halls 15 times and in 13 of the first 15 game weeks this season, I benched attacking returns or clean sheets of some kind or another. Um, there were an awful lot of weeks where I would have done much better off my bench boost without even trying. And I know you'll say that some of that is pure coincidence and some of it would have been that there were players on the bench who had good fixtures, but just not as good as, as I thought, the 11 that I selected. So whatever, a fine bench boost, but not brilliant bench boost. Uh, McCarthy, 7. Darty 12. Pulisic, 9. Sterling, 17. Unfortunately not captained. Martial, captained 5. Double to 10. Uh, Jimenez and then that Lamptey clean sheet off the bench are pretty much my only returns this week. But look, 82 points is good I the real upswing for me is that after a really really torrid season with my free hit coming up in 38 I'm pretty much in the hunt for the monthly prize in every mini league I'm part of <laughs> and in a season where it looked like I was never going to get any money back I could hilariously um, make all my money back on the final day of the season which would be lovely yeah no it's good um, I'm still holding on to the fact that my bench boost is probably going to win the highest overall score uh, which is which is going to be great and we'll come out next week and you'll both be like well I got 120 I got 121 actually <laughs> John. cheers lads yeah, right. Cap- Captain Harry Kane he's got 70 points oh, yeah. Captain, <laughs> Captain Harry Kane got 35 and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who I also brought in, got 15. So 50 points from two players. There, there is no world where I bring Calvert-Lewin into my team. <laughs> <laughs> one, one to leave for the one to leave for the moment, but definitely is the case. Right, uh, so next thing, of course, is the market forces. How we start off at every pod these days. It's the final market force of the season. Uh, Nick, I see you're uh, holding a handkerchief up to your eye. It's a sad moment. Uh, it's got a bit, of a, a bit of an English feel to it, doesn't it? An England hero feel to it. What's going on? It's all about Harry Kane, isn't it? Yeah, so Harry Kane has shown up on the market forces. Can't remember the last time we mentioned him as part of this section, but he is the most transferred in player right now with 
38,000 transfers in back-to-back braces for Harry. Um, puts him now on 17 goals for the season. And they're facing Crystal Palace, who have lost seven on the bounce, having won only one game since the restart. Seems to be a little bit of a um, spark uh, back in the Spurs forward, who we've been uh, pretty critical of, let's uh, be fair, um, since we started the pod and since he came back, saying that you know he's matching Conor Cody, all of that lark. But yeah, um, you know, really good performances last couple of games. Looks like a decent asset. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more later on in the pod, but lots of people looking at him in the market. Otherwise, um, Sterling um, and also uh, David Silva being brought in in terms of the midfielders, 33,000 transfers in. But Sterling makes him second most transfer in player right now. Silva's now fifth, uh, 32,000. But yeah, it's very tight in terms of the top five transfers in right now. Uh, I guess that's quite logical, those moves. Uh, David Silva's final bow out, final curtain to that illustrious Premier League career. And he's certainly a player that will be missed. And um, with Sterling, Oh, pretty obviously, he's just netted a 17-point return. Norwich at home up next. I mean, there's not much else to say. It's, it's obvious where people are bringing him in. Uh, but otherwise, it's um, making up that top five. Sandwiched between Sterling and Silver, it's Tarkowski and Peters that are being brought in, the Burnley defenders. Uh, so, yeah, they've kept 15 clean sheets this season, unbelievably. And uh, Nick Pope is uh, looking like he might have that golden glove wrapped up as well. And, uh, yeah, they're also finishing above. Arsenal, uh, Tom, which I know you, you happily mentioned uh, the other day about Spurs and Burnley being on the same amount of points. Uh, so, yeah, I think it um, kind of makes sense. Lots of people bringing in Burnley players, uh, the double, triple up on Burnley in defence. Um, you know, it looks like a common theme in many free hits right now. And Brighton have only had three goals in seven games. So you, you fancy them for another clean sheet there. Yeah, absolutely. And you see Pope as well as whilst the transfers in aren't anywhere near as big, he is the most transferred in goalkeeper as well. And I guess most of those defenders are coming in for Sionsu, who is, of course, still suspended. He's miles ahead of every other defender in terms of transfers out. Yeah, 28,000 transfers out for Sionsu at the moment. He's the third most transferred out player right now. But um, the top two are actually Vardy and Jimenez, 37,000 transfers out for Vardy. Uh, he's had four returns in a row, but then he blanked. So I guess people have seen enough and they're getting rid of him, fencing a bit of Harry Kane, clearly, because um, Vardy has United, which I guess will be a tougher fixture, but perhaps not if Harry Maguire continues his current vein of form. Playing a centre-back he knows really well in the biggest game of his season. It's probably the biggest game that Vardy has taken part in, maybe you could say since Leicester were in the Champions League or since the league-winning season. It's either of the two, but that's the sort of game he thrives in. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one for sure. I guess people are just fancying the gamble. But yeah, it might, might be a few punished sellers. And Jimenez um, have Chelsea. And, and yeah, they're, they're defensively solid, aren't they? They're, they're absolutely fantastic. Notorious. I think I saw on Twitter just there pieces. that um, Brighton have now conceded less goals than Chelsea this season. Otherwise, also another weird one. De Bruyne's been sold by 27,000 transfers out. I don't get what that's about as well. It's, it's, it's two, two to, assists to in five. Assist. Yeah, I it's know. T- it's it's not, good, not good enough, clearly, for uh, De Bruyne. But he's currently um, on 232 FPL points for the season. And he has Norwich at home up next. You know, what, do you really want to be selling this guy? But I guess the only explanation I can kind of think of is straight swap for Sterling, I guess, you know. People are fancying a bit of sky blue roulette, as they say. Um, so a that roulette, must be maybe. the logic behind that one. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I guess. I guess if you want to fill up the space to, to get Kane, Himmler's and Vardy, are the sacrificial lambs for the moment. De Bruyne and Sterling. I mean, the guy just scored uh, the 17 points, didn't he, Raheem? So, yeah, people looked at De Bruyne and just gone, you know what, since the restart, or at least in the last uh, five game weeks, the returns have just not been there. So maybe that's the case to remove. I don't know. Um, it could be quite an interesting one in the final uh, the final game week. And the final game week is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so lots of questions this week, of which we are going to integrate some of them, at least into the flow, into the general chat here. Both these guys are both on free hits, as uh, Anthony mentioned right at the start. And I think uh, just to kind of uh, set the scene, uh, I've taken a little look at game week 38 in general. So I looked at 2014-15 to 2018-19, so over the last five seasons, in terms of the averages. So the goals scored, of which home goals and away goals, and the average number of clean sheets. In terms of goals scored, uh, there are 33.6 goals um, scored over the last uh, five seasons on average, uh, of which 20 were home goals, 13.6 were away goals. I could round that up if you want me to, but I'm not going to for statistical reasons. Uh, Clean sheets, 4.4. FPR Review tells me that on an average game week, your home expectation is 1.55 goals and away is 1.25 goals. So there's an estimated average of 28 goals in total on a normal game week. That means that there's a 20% rise to reach the first three 0.6% 0.6% from a 28 goal baseline, right? And that's accompanied by a drop in terms of expected clean sheets. So you'd expect maybe five clean sheets per game week. That drops by 12% to 4.4. Broadly, what the hell am I on about? Uh, we expect more goals. That pushes our emphasis on to attack, attack, attack. And what makes it really different this time round is that in most game week 38s, we've used all of our chips because we've had to navigate a very sort of complex and trying chip period. We've got the spreadsheets out, we've done it. With Project Restart, that's meant that basically apart from that early double game week, we've kind of had to be using our chips when when we can. And there are loads of people like Stag and Nick who have kind of sat there, you know, with the free hit and thinking, well, I'm going to leave it to game week 38. That's a great time to use it because, you know, all, all the things kick off at once. Longest break, so hopefully things will be more predictable. So... I guess the floor is open to you guys. Um, in, in this most sort of goal-hungry, goal-friendly of weeks, how are you guys approaching your free hits? Uh, let's start with Anthony first, uh, the man who's on the chase. What are you doing? Right, Tom. So I've I've thought about this long and hard, and I have more thinking to do. That's my full thoughts on it as we go right now. <laughs> Force about yeah. it. There we go. Podcast <laughs> over. Good luck. No. Um, okay, so... I'm definitely chasing the goals and because I guess the Burnley defense is so accessible on the cheap, um, tripling up on the Burnley defense and just hoping for the best there because I think I'm about as likely to get that clean sheet out of Burnley as I am to um, split my you know, chances all over the league and try and get all four of those clean sheets effectively. I might as well just go like, oh, if Burnley get the clean sheet, it works. And there are so many other people going to be at least doubled up even who aren't on free hits that it probably won't affect me too badly. Uh, Right now, I do have um, Dina in there uh, as my other defender, let's say. I'm I'm not too sure about that. There's a question that we have there, which I'm sure we'll talk about from Sanders Plessers, which is asking about Aurier or Dina, and that's pretty much a question that is on my mind. Um, Going up then, it is really... The City triple up is something that I, I think is very hard to ignore this game week. Obviously playing against Norwich, obviously in form. Um, and I guess the Man City are trying to keep a rhythm ahead of the return of the Champions League. This is kind of their last chance to continue their rhythm. So I don't think that this is this necessarily what other people would put down as a, a dead rubber game for them. I think this is their last chance for you to fight for selection um, ahead of the Champions League, which is obviously quite a bit into the future still. The United 
recent form and I guess how they played against West Ham has really dented my overall confidence in United. And so right now in my current draft, I only have Bruno Fernandes from Manchester United, which is a little bit shocking really, but that's basically ensuring myself that if they get a penalty, I I hope he takes it, it being the final day and him having the pretty good record um, and it being a crunch penalty. I don't think they'll put it in Rashford's less certain hands, put it that way. And then up top, I do have Jamie Vardy in my team right now, in spite of all these people selling him, and Danny Ings, and then just a supplementary third who won't be playing. Yeah, so I think in terms of my team, defensively, I think we're relatively similar, as in, well, kind of half based on Tom's uh, comments as well, in terms of there being lots of goals. One team that um, perhaps won't score too many goals, as we saw, they're not particularly brilliant attacking against an Ironman Norwich, but what they have been is uh, very strong defensively as Burnley. And yeah, as you said, the assets there are very cheap. The likes of Peters, the likes of Bards, the only costing you 4.3 million, 4.4 million. So currently, I'm probably looking at a triple Burnley defence uh, with Pope in goal as well, and then a substitute goalkeeper who costs nothing, like 3.9 million, someone like Martin or, or Button or someone like that, uh, will do a job. And then um, uh, alongside them, I'm probably going to keep Trent. Uh, my plan was always to keep Trent anyway, but based on tonight as well, it's just reinforced that uh, belief that this guy, the one week I didn't own him this season, he got me 24 points in you know, a Newcastle away. Uh, you could easily smash him again and get a huge haul. I'd regret missing out on that. So I think Trent will stay. The, the only way he would fall out would be if I have to make some last-minute tinkering. And even then, it might be just to put Van Dijk in and just to save a few pennies or something like that. But yeah, for me, Trent stays. Um, and then the other two slots, probably going to be on the bench. I'm probably just going to put someone like um, Brandon Williams, 3.8 million, uh, Enabler and Tanganga or something like that, just to fill up those final slots in defence. So that's yeah probably how it's going to be in terms of the defenders. Very cheap, apart from Trent, using that triple Burnley and hoping for that triple clean sheet. In, in terms of the midfield and the attack, so I've actually gone for quite a premium heavy team right now. Very, very expensive, five premium assets. It's the only chance you can get over the course of the season to do this. And I certainly won't be able to afford all of these guys at the start of next season. But I already had uh, KDB, Bruno Fernandes and Sterling in my team. What I'm actually going to do is add Salah and Kane to that. So I've actually got all five of those guys. That's a lot of money invested in five guys. But um, it's, it's pretty effective the way it works out because I can still keep Trent. I can still have three Burnley players. But then the other two players that I'm going to have in my team will be a neighbor, very cheap enablers like Foden and Greenwood. And that can be my 11, basically. And then the bench will be full of those super cheap assets like Tanganga and Brandon Williams. And I've still got, I've actually still got money for an extra forward slot, which goes all the way up to DCL in terms of value. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so DCL can sit there on the bench, oh, and if, the bench, I, okay, if, okay, if okay. there's some, if there's some real um, screw up with the team sheets mm. or something, if there's any information and I, someone doesn't play, then he can come on. He's got Bournemouth, you know, he's yeah. 13 goals. He can do a job at least, uh, but you know. I'm probably going to play Greenwood over him anyway and still have Calvert-Lewin in case I need to call on that bench for whatever reason. I've, I've got that back up there. Yeah. So plenty of money and I can still get all of those five guys. So I'm quite happy uh, quite happy with that setup generally. 
investing in five guys it sounds like you've kind of a subliminal advertising that we've uh, incorporated into the <laughs> subliminal pod needs i need a five guys right now right okay um no interesting interesting so it sounds like you're both broadly kind of structured in a similar way it sounds like with with Nick, you've got your Burnley and you've got Trent and it sounds like you've got Luke Dean um, to stop the defence at least. It sounds as blessed as us, Aurier or Dinier. And the, the Derry Cracker said he's looking into defence and he's left with Sice and he's got a couple of a couple of defenders. What does it do with him? Maybe that'll be one I'll talk about when I talk about what I'm doing with my team later on. Um, but in terms of kind of the Sanders Blessers question and what the hell else is going on with defenders, I think broadly it makes sense to go with those Burnley players. I'm not going to talk about the goalkeepers because that's boring. I assume you've got Pope or some other kind of concoction there. Um, but we think you know, with Pope, the team sheet is going to be fought for by Burnley, isn't it? I mean, and long. Bards, Peters, um, Tarko, they're all in contention, aren't they? I mean, Tarko, he's up to 5.4 after a, a late season firestorm of purchasing, but he smashed it on DPS and he's earned 41 points actually since the restart. Um, only, do, do, only Matt D. 50, Johnny, 49, <laughs> and Richie, 43, are done better of the defenders. Uh, so yeah, doing pretty well. I just wanted to note as well, when I was looking through the data to see if there was anyone else I could pull out, the highest XG for defenders is uh, Michael Craig Dawson, of all people. He's got 1.66 XG, according it's, to Hub. It's so tempting against Arsenal. Oh, my uh, God. Are you going to play him then, Tom? I'm, I'm probably going to play him, yeah. But like, he's got higher XG than the likes of Jack Grealish, Harvey Barnes, and Mason Greenwood, which probably shows the fallacy of XG, maybe. Um, but he's also had the most shots, 16 of, of all defenders, and most shots in the Boxman defender, 15. That 15 shots in the box, by the way, is equal to Jimenez and above the likes of Harry Kane, Riyad Mahrez, and uh, before this game week, Pulisic. He's also top of headed attempts for all players. He's had 11 headed attempts since the restart. And Arsenal have conceded equal fourth shots in the box of all teams since the restart. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, a very interesting kind of set of individuals. Um, but just to take Sanders Plessis' question and maybe to expand on your Dinier pick, uh, Anthony, uh, why have you gone there? Um, is it because of Bournemouth? Is it just because of the creative uh, flair of the man himself? Why have you decided to go with our man, Luca? Yeah, like, look, Luca Dean, he's, he's no Dawson, but he is still in the top five defenders in terms of shots. And he's also right up there in that kind of top five, top ten-ish bracket in terms of chances created. So there is, as we, as we well know, always the chance of an attacking return from Dinia. Couple that, I guess, with the fact that it is Bournemouth. And Everton have, like, they're not particularly good in attack at all, but defensively they haven't been terrible post the restart. So I just kind of felt as a punt he kind of felt like a good one but the more I think about it the less comfortable I am with it and I would say of, of all players he's probably the least likely to stay and I, I think um, Trent's Hall has actually freaked me out a little bit as well if I'm honest I have no Liverpool players currently in my team and they play Ooh. Newcastle yeah exactly and it's like I'm not saying that Trent is like coverage for all of that front three and all of those midfielders and all those other defenders but at least it's something and on a day like today when he does, you know, return two attacking returns and, you know, still hits double figures as a defender, even though they conceded three times. Yeah, it's kind of hard to ignore him. You are um, looking at my television right now. You may 
may not need to worry because it looks like they're getting pissed again. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably going to be another oh ruling. So maybe get um, Joe Linton pro- or your man Andy Carroll. This um, is this is probably an important time actually to come in with that, Nick. So last night I'm studying uh, at the moment, folks. Tom, I need to get it out. Okay, um, I, I'm studying at the moment, so maybe a little bit delirious. Um, so take this with a pinch of salt, everybody. But. I had a dream, all right? And in, in this dream, I owned Andy Carroll. You know when you know something in a dream? You know, like you know it, that you, like you, there's some, you already have this like prior knowledge, but you don't know how you acquired it. Well, I had the knowledge that I already owned Andy Carroll and he'd already scored once. And then it's in the dream, Allison spills the ball out, very specific, and Andy Carroll pokes in a second. Sounds like you're the Martin Luther King of FPL. Mm-hmm. If it comes true, football. then uh, people are going to be coming for you for promotion. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've got, I've got six random numbers for you as well, guys. But uh, <laughs> there you go. That's the. I had a That's dream that Andy Carroll was poking in a rebound from Allison. <laughs> and okay, I dreamt um, and saw. Sorry. Um, yeah, you're no, quite I, Martin Luther King now. Okay. Um, interesting. Interesting. And uh, Nick, I guess with Trent, the. I mean, yeah, he's probably getting pissed tonight, but I guess the the value reality is something that you're sticking to, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's he's, he's been in the team. He's done a solid job. Um, I'm not mad one to get rid of them, my players easily. So if he's there already, I'm happy with him. And he's um, you know, he's broken 200 points again this season. Just been fantastic. His assist record is phenomenal. You know, this player has been absolutely brilliant for the last two campaigns. And uh, yeah, um, I, I can't get rid of him, especially with Newcastle. A good chance of another clean sheet there. A good chance of attacking returns. You know, he, he, he's not going to be leaving my team. Uh, but in regards to the questions um, from Derry Cracker and Sanders, Plessers, I think personally between Oreo and Dean, I, I probably, I'd say Oreo, but just because of the money it saves you, just that extra million can go um, further in terms of your investment in the midfield and attack. That's where the value seems to be right now. Um, and I think, you know, Dean, Oreo has kind of matched Dean for, in terms of the chance creations. He's only one assist behind him for this season. But I think with both players, just don't expect a clean sheet is what I would probably say, because you'll invariably be let down. Um, it'll be like a late Callum Wilson goal or something, and Dean will get a yellow card and it'll just be peeved off. So just to, just um, expect the unexpected with Luca Dean. He can either get you 15 points or one point. He's definitely one of those players. And the uh, final game week might well be that 15 points. Can I jump in on you there, actually, just when you're yeah. talking about Aurea quickly? Like Palace in fairness, have absolutely nothing to play for. And they're one of the most on-the-beach teams that you'll find in the league right now. Bournemouth, of course, have absolutely everything to play for. Palace yeah. have only scored twice in the last five. They've only created four big Seven chances in that time. Seven the trot, right? Yeah, and Spurs have three clean sheets in their last five. Aurier, okay, over the course of a season, he's not too far behind Dina. But in since I've just had a look at the stats, like since the restart, he's, he's effectively anonymous in terms of chance creation and attacking threat in general. But he is, I guess, from a bonuses point of view, etc., pretty good for Spurs. So... It, they, they look like a much better uh, clean sheet potential than Everton. Like, the more I think about it, the Dina pick is probably not a good idea. Basically. It's, it's, I think it's worth a punt. It's final game week, isn't it? It's all about those punts. So perhaps go for it if, you, if you've got the money to spare. But if you haven't got the money, then it's a, a decent downgrade. The only other player I, I thought about, quite an easy, trusty option, depends about your City assets again, but uh, Garcia's only 4.5 million for Manchester City might be um, an easy way to a clean sheet. 
um, there if you fancy a, a cheap investment there. Well, I don't know what you think about the Arsenal assets as well, Tom. Perhaps someone, if you fancy real risk, someone like Kieran Tierney. Yeah, maybe. Kieran Tierney, I think maybe. Yeah, no, again, he, he's definitely getting in the crosses, isn't he? Very aggressive, getting up and down that flank, and I think he's actually doing something with the in terms of end products for class. Actually, he's just booted off the pitch. Um, Stags has written uh, David Luiz pile driver is due I'm not too sure about that but pile driver to his own net uh, but I do like Tierney if you are going to be punting like that um, I agree on Palace um, and we'll probably get there in terms of the midfield in terms of the attackers um, in terms of Spurs and how um, they may be featuring a lot of these sort of squads um, without further ado maybe we do talk about midfielders because I mean you guys have both got I think a slightly maybe slightly um, similar sort of setups as well as I've mentioned so Bruno only but uh, quite a kind of heavy cast of characters with KDB, uh, Raheem Sterling and Salah in this midfield. Um, a couple of questions here. So El Nino, uh, Raja RM28, he asked who the best midfielder around kind of 7 million, 7.5 million is. Um, so that's a price bracket that you guys completely uh, avoid. And uh, FPL Yuval asked if we should considering Mares. So, you know, he didn't start the last game week um, and it may be considered that he gets to go against Norwich it's very difficult to kind of pick and choose with Pep and we'll talk about the league in just a minute because we've got to kind of address that but yeah so midfield wise guys I mean Nick it kind of makes sense to me that you're going kind of full pelt with that high powered midfield plus Foden I mean if Foden doesn't play do you have a backup plan what are you going to do there so I haven't really fully formulated the backup plan. I'd probably, uh, probably look to bring in someone like David Silver and finding the funds to, to get him in because I do want to be tripled up in, in Manchester City for that final game week and I just have to look to downgrade Calvert-Lewin to someone dirt cheap perhaps. But that's depending if I get if we get some early team news and that's, that's not necessarily the case. But that's what I'd probably do is just take the money out of Calvert-Lewin, take the money out of somewhere else and just... Um, look for someone like Silver but in terms of the um, I will have a little bit of a play around to kind of finalise that secondary plan B as well so I'm not kind of panicking in the last minute but in terms of the 7 million around the assets I actually I had a little thing about this question and um, I actually started looking at the West Ham assets actually they, they started to uh, perform pretty well Antonio's the obvious one uh, at 7.1 million he was just outside the top five for the market forces but since the restart he's just been excellent hasn't he with um, eight goals to his name, 28 goal attempts, which is the most out of all midfielders, apart from perhaps Salah. Um, and now he seems to be on penalties with um, Noble having given up duties to kind of help Antonio boost his um, goal-scoring record even further. But um, if money's too tight for him, there's a couple other West Ham assets that caught my eye. Bow- Bowen at 6.4 million. Uh, looked pretty decent and scored loads of goals in the championship earlier on in the season. And even cheaper, there was uh, Thomas Suchek, uh, 4.8 million, who uh, looked pretty dangerous with 18 goal attempts since the start of the restart. Um, and even that's in the top 10 for midfielders. And 14 of those attempts have been inside the box. A bit like Michael Dawson, he, uh, <laughs> like Craig yeah. Dawson. He's just um, a giant guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a real threat on those set pieces. Um, he's got three goals to his name since the restart. So, yeah, a bit of a dangerous yeah, threat there. He's, he's also had more headed attempts than any other midfielder, uh, Tommy Suchek, uh, seven. Um, he, that's equal to Giroud and Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. And second only to Michael slash Craig, in inverted commas, Dawson. And not um, Matt. <laughs> not definitely not Matt Dawson. Who's he? He was a rugby guy, right? The England scrum half. 
Right, okay. Well. Different sport entirely. God, it's definitely doing well on the line out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Suchek, let's uh, start riffing on these sorts of characters. Um, and also Adam Pritchard uh, mentioned the fact that he's looking out for sexy punts like Trossard. Um, I did have a look at Trossard himself. He's fifth for shots in the box since the restart. And he's also a player that Adam should be signing ASAP. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you guys have got probably the, the optimal sorts of players. But, I mean, Trezeguet, one who's doing okay. He's fourth for XG amongst midfielders over the last couple of game weeks. A fifth, uh, five shots on target, same as Son. Yeah, but th- three goals in three games as well for El Trez. So he, he kind exactly. of stands out there. And I guess if you want to go for the more expensive but underperforming FPL-wise compatriot of his, Grealish is there as well, 5.9. Oh, yeah, but he, his stats are just dire, really. Um Big man for the big occasion, though. Yeah, like, maybe, the one thing about West Ham is that they're safe now. Four points clear, one game to go. Trezeguet's got a name to live up to, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, the other one to mention, and uh, I think maybe this uh, looks at only Nio's question, but a 7.0, um, one that I really like is Lucas Moura. Um, uh, so the last couple of game weeks, he's actually second for Exile among midfielders. Uh, last couple of games, uh, Mourinho hasn't been rotated in that team as is his want normally. And Palace have been absolutely dreadful, as we've spoken about before. They've conceded the most big chances of any team, equal first, that is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mares, uh, he was mentioned by FPL Yuval as one that we should be considering. Um, he's the ninth highest scoring mid since the restart. And uh, we'll mention this a bit more later as well in terms of a question. But he's one of those players who, if he starts, um, he is you know, on for a, a double figure sort of return. So, so Nick, you're, you're someone along with Neil Murray who's always uh, singing Mares' praises. But it sounds like you're getting rid of him as part of your free hit. Why are you dispensing with the Algerian maestro services now? It's mainly because I just want to get Salah and Kane in. So, unfortunately, it's Mahrez is one of the full guys part of that plan, um, alongside Marcus Rashford. And it's, it's just a kind of case of I, I really want Sterling and De Bruyne. They're the key men for City for me. Mahrez is the third man, and he's been doing my head in as well because you keep getting one-pointers from him. So, it was pretty good when we start restarted. I think he got like a massive all 17 points. But in the last few weeks, it's a couple one-pointers last couple of game weeks. And then six points before that. It's just um, been a bit of a frustrating hold over the past five games. So, it's three ones in, in five games, essentially, and no double-figure holes. Uh, so, that's perhaps just uh, my own personal experiences that he's, he's wound me up a little bit there. And I'm just like seeing... Foden and Foden's been playing really, really well, and, and he's about three million cheaper. So getting getting in Foden um, saves me a lot of money, and it allows me to upgrade um, Pulisic, who I'm also a bit concerned about selling now after that brilliant subs performance to Salah as part of um, a bigger move. Yeah, so I also have um, Riyad Mahrez, um, but I actually have him in my free hit team as it stands right now, and he'd be staying there. And of course, that's kind of caveat, caveat, pep roulette, caveat, caveat. But given that he played 13 minutes against Bournemouth and 26 minutes against Watford uh, all season, um, it, it seems that two substitute appearances tend to mean starting the game after and playing 60. There's only one exception to that in the pattern this year. Like, you can read into pep roulette all you want, but that's, that's what I'm doing. And he's had he's 30 minutes per chance effectively since the restarting game week 30 which is you know that's pretty solid going as well for a midfielder he is explosive and I guess as somebody who's chasing um he's I, I think someone that I probably should get in on, on the balance of things I'm just not that interested in Phil Foden either to be honest of course um there are team leaks going around at the moment and hopefully there will be some information about the city team leak ahead of those games I'll be uh 
sitting there ready to go to try and make sure that I have the right city <laughs> midfielders in my team because this could all be thrown out if like somehow Gundogan a starting striker I'll be like oh god he's in <laughs> I think it's one, of those moments, it's one of those moments of kind of bizarre unity amongst the, the, the remaining playing core but you know there's going to be uh, at least for, uh, almost 200,000 people all sat there at 2.45 on Sunday going, not now, not now, go away, busy, I'm busy, leave me alone. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, in, in regards to the leaking, um, I think we need to acknowledge that it, it is going on. Um, if you aren't on Twitter, you should probably know that it's going on. Uh, there's an account called FPL Scarface. I was a bit sceptical about them at first, but the lad has gone beyond guessing now. I think the first time I was like, oh, he's probably just guessing. Second time I was like, okay, maybe he's got lucky, maybe he's got it. But I think you know, he started to pull out a few calls that were too specific. Um, but I mean, that kind of leads to the point that any assertion we're making here is going to be pretty much faceted by the fact that if that guy or any sort of leak turns around and says the city team's actually going to look like this then things just go out the window so if KDB gets benched I mean suddenly my entire team changes my transfer plans change I'll talk about them in a little bit and for these guys as well the free hit I mean I mean, Nick Stag how many teams do you have ready to go I mean Nick you were saying on the stack earlier you've got about five five scenarios you're planning for or something like that yeah, I just don't want to over panic on the day. So if I see the city, it's mostly the city lineup, and that's going to be the big one, really, because I think the other players we generally know are going to start, and unless there's some big shocks, it's it's mostly just if I can't, if Foden's not playing, then I'll have to set up a secondary team, probably with David Silver, and I'll just do a few swaps around and, and change a few personnel. No, no major changes. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm making major changes 10 minutes before the deadline, but I just want to you know, have all my ducks in a row in terms of what I'm doing. And so I'm ready and prepared, really, rather than some sort of last-minute panic, thinking, oh, my players isn't playing, what do I do? I want to know and have um, you know, my ready-made replacement or you know, whether it's one or two or three changes that have to be done to accommodate that. It just makes... The weekend and Sunday a lot calmer when, rather than some sort of panic for the deadline. It, it is going to be um, carnage, though, I guess. like We don't know if there will be leaks ever, but we also don't know how many leaks there will be. Of course, it's the only game week of the season as well where every game kicks off at the same time. So there's scope for a complete and utter mind-numbing 15 or 20 or 10 or 3 minutes of confusion um, trying to sort out teams. I personally don't have a load of teams set up I kind of I'm going to just be confident in my research and my thoughts by the time you know when we get there I will just let my heart and my brain guide me to whatever happens and just hope that my phone doesn't um, run out of battery or break at some random point as I'm trying to set up the team because there's a, there's a cracked screen and it is um, showing signs of potentially doing that at some point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I hope the site stays up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it will be all right. It won't be like game week one where there's 7 million people or so trying to play. I think it'll just be a load of us nerds who are the people left over who are trying to be getting in. Right, and the, the final position to talk about, we haven't spoken about before that digression, is the strikers. Lots of interest, as uh, Nick mentioned, the market forces in the likes of Kane. And also Aubameyang as well is a feature on a few people's radars. So Angus McNeil, for example, asked if uh, Aubameyang or maybe an Arsenal for that Lacazette is worth bringing in for this game week. Uh, Sanket asked if Ings or Jimenez should be sold for Kane. Um, looks like Jimenez is being the main kind of full guy for uh, Harry Kane. Um, FPL MPEG asked for the best Vardy replacement, which is quite interesting because Stag, you're keeping Vardy. And Matt, at Leafy Dragon FPL, asked if Jesus 
Jesus is worth buying in. Um, yeah, so quite a few interesting things there, especially actually, uh, and also a late riser um, asked, who do you like in the cheapest striker slots below 6.5 million? Nick's already given his seal of approval to Dominic Calvert-Lewin. They've got to show up for the books, really. Um, but to take uh, the Kane questions and the Aubameyang questions first, um, if I was free-hitting, I, I think, I, you know, it goes without saying that a lot of the time we like parodying Harry Kane, and I like parodying Harry Kane as an Arsenal fan. Uh, but the reality is that if he does turn it around and is a good FPL asset again, I'm going to be all over him. It doesn't really matter. Um, but Kane's XG is 4.8, actually, since the restart. That's highest for strikers, and it's fourth overall behind the likes of Antonio, Salah, and Sterling. Um, compared to him, um, Aubameyang is in, in the I-don't-know category. I think he's been fielded in all sorts of places by Mikhail Teta. He's got 24 shots, 17 in the box, and next year 3.55. That's equal to Ings, who outscores him on the rules. So 23 shots, of which 20 were in the box, so a high proportion in the box. Um, between those two, I think I'd be going for Kane, and uh, I know that you guys probably are both in that camp, right? My original plan was Aubameyang, actually, over Kane, I think, and that kind of changed. <laughs> just, just watching the games this weekend, we did see that old Kane against Leicester and I know as we said we've been taking the mickey a little bit but um, I think in terms of one week one I, I can't fault it I think with Arsenal I think perhaps they've got one eye on the FA Cup and they'll be facing a Watford team um, are they facing Watford? Yeah they are they'll be facing a Watford team that are going to be fighting for their life so it's going to be a really um, hard fought team and as, as we said earlier Crystal Palace have been on beach for ages they've looked absolutely rubbish since the restart and not really playing, so I, I think I probably prefer Spurs as fixture with Arsenal probably focusing on the FA Cup and playing um, with the harder fixture. Perhaps that's my main reason. And I think in terms of the underlying stats, I had a quick look between the two of them. They're pretty similar. I mean, Kane and Aubameyang both have had 24 goal attempts since the restart. Though Aubameyang's had um, played an extra game. In terms of the big chances, though, Kane's actually had nine compared to Aubameyang's uh, four. And he's um, scored more goals than Aubameyang as well since three starts. So I think um, between the two, it, it feels like I've got back the Spurs guy here. Yeah, it like look likewise for me. It's just you have that um, combination of form and fixtures when it comes to Kane, and I'm just not confident in Aubameyang as it stands. Like, of course, and I, I think I even said it on last week's pod that like there is always the chance with Aubameyang that he will go and score a, ba- a brace, but just. Kane has the fixture, as you say, compared to Aubameyang. Like, like that Watford team are going to be difficult. They have everything to play for. Palace have been torrid. It's, it's just a no-brainer for me um, on that one. And I guess it's maybe to answer Angus McNeil's question and moving off. Um, or Yeah, I'm sorry. And then moving off uh, to Sanket's question, which is asking about selling uh, Ings or Jimenez to make that transfer. Like it's 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 Jimenez that I'm selling for sure. Um, I didn't. I've actually never owned Ings all this season. You might say, "Wow, Stag, no wonder you're in the t- um, outside the top half million." Yes, dear listener, um, that's why uh, because Danny Ings is that good. Like that's a, he's a player now who's two goals off the golden boot. Um, and Sheffield officially have nothing to play for, which is the first time we could say that all year now um, going into the final day. So Ings is actually in my free hit team right now as the third striker potentially actually playing depending on how I um, set myself up in the end otherwise I might use that money to move uh, someone like Luca Dean to Trent but 
you you could see Danny Ings yet again netting a brace, even a yeah. hat trick on the final day, and it would be lovely to for once be the person who's tweeting dings as opposed <laughs> to just going, Oh my god, not again. Uh, disappearing from Twitter as soon as Danny yeah. Ings scores. Yeah, I know that feeling all too well. I think I owned him during his only dry patch of the season and I haven't owned him for his fertile period. So there you go. Um yeah, no, I mean uh, that totally makes sense. I mean Jimenez uh mere data, basically. But he's post-manning. I mean, since I sold him a couple of weeks ago, he's not stopped just lucking his way to eight or nine points every game week. It's obviously it's not luck, but it is just kind of you know a sense of being able to tick over, which is going to make him very valuable at the start of next year, I think, to a lot of people. Um, DCL, I did mention him uh, jovially, and I saw late riser did mention him in a chat elsewhere. Um, but his XG is actually two point five, and he scored no goals. He's also joint fourth with Jesus, uh, Jesus and Jimenez uh, for shots on target since the restart. Incredibly. So, you know, Pontius Maximus against Bournemouth, perhaps. Um, and there's a couple of other examples I've seen Moose in the community. I just want to uh, call out the stats wizardry or the stats sophistry on. So, Troy Deeney, I've seen a couple of people underlying his case uh, due to the Cajonas versus Arsenal. Safe to say he's not actually been great against us in the past. He's been missing penalties. I owned him for that missed penalty. And he's actually recorded two wins and six losses against us, only two goals and one red card. His XG is 2.65 since the restart, of which 1.5 XG is penalties. And he's had two penalties, 0.75 XG, which means he's got 1.15 XG in reality, which is basically Bernardo Silva or Firmino before tonight in range. So, yeah, I shouldn't be rushing towards him. And finally, I've seen Solanke, of all people, has been... Uh, vaunted by the couple and that's just the case of stats bending basically he's got more big chances per appearance than Mares and Aubameyang but I'm bending the data there to suit my narrative if you look at the stats in total he's definitely not worth it but maybe if, you, if you watch a game of football <laughs> yeah but I mean, maybe there's something you know in the likes of uh, you know, Josh King maybe or maybe, is there any kind of or Stanislas at Bournemouth I mean there could definitely be something there I, I don't know I actually I like the Troy Dini call. Um, it is that cojones type thing, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, know, maybe. A few goals in the last few weeks. He is Mr. Watford. He seems to be over that knee injury, which was a bit of an issue there. Obviously, the penalty taker, everything to play for. It's Arsenal, who, um, as you say, might have one eye on the FA Cup. But if anyway, it's just it's Arsenal, and I would fancy um, between uh, Dini and Big Man Dawson, there could be a, a goal or two there. I hope so. But I mean, Dini was coming out and saying that they're all united, they're all together and they're all going to absolutely smash it against City and put in a committed performance. They did not do that. <laughs> they, they looked like they were beaten for the moment that they walked on. So there you go. Yeah, no, some, some good points there. I mean, going back to sort of FPL MPEG's question about the best Vardy replacement and Leap Dragon talking about uh, Jesus. So I know you're a, a Jesus owner, Tom, but it was kind of quite interesting, actually, a post from XG Philosopher that said, that Jesus was second in the XG golden boot this season behind only Salah with um, an XG of 20.08, but only having scored 13 goals. And I think that's kind of like, I like some of the flaws perhaps of XG. It's not a fallible um, source of data. The, 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 the flaws of XG or the flaws of Jesus? Well, we're both really, because <laughs> I think the problem is with Jesus, anyone who's seen him play knows that. With City, you, you get plenty of chances to score. If you're the centre forward for City, you can have plenty of chances to score, for sure. But um, every time he does, he, he tends to scuff his lines and hit it straight at the keeper. 
think Tom describes him on one of the other pods as the, the dominant, the premium Dominic Calvert Lewin or, or something along those lines. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think. Uh, <laughs> but I think ultimately, though, he is playing. You know, with all negative comments aside, um, this guy is playing Norwich at home. So if you own him, certainly don't sell him for that. In terms of actually purchasing um, Jesus, uh, I think with free, especially if you're on a free hit or something, with free slots for City available, I wouldn't put him in the top four or five. I'd probably put De Bruyne, Sterling, Mares, David Silva, maybe and Foden ahead of him. So I think ultimately there are better assets to City than spending 9.9 million on Jesus, especially because we just talked about some other forwards, which I think would be better picks for this game week. And can I pick a bone with FPL MPEG as well, talking about selling Vardy? Like, why are you selling him? Four goals in five games, season-defining game, as I said. United are on the wane, it seems. It's against Harry Maguire. I know we said all this earlier in the pod, but I just want to emphasize it. And since the restart, third for XG, third for shots in the box. He's kind of crept up there into the stats, having Mr. being quite poor early on. He just kind of seems like one of these players that destiny kind of just uh, seems to align itself for over and over again over the last however many years we've got used to him in the Premier League. And this seems like just one of those moments. Yeah, destiny is calling me. Maybe Vardy is Mr. Brightside. Um, Okay, so uh, you guys are both from Free Hits. I'm not. So a final kind of uh, little monologue here. Uh, Chris Laws asked me, what are your thoughts on taking a hit on the final game week as a minus four or a minus eight kind of? worth it and um, as someone who's not on free hit and the fact that i think it's like 35 percent top 10k it shouldn't matter to me i don't think after this game week's outcome but it's worth mentioning uh, are on free hit and most of the engaged player base i think it's going to be probably about a 30 70 split um i'm really reluctant basically to take a hit um into this game week because basically i'm giving the abundance of free hits especially my mini league a goal basically so uh, one impactful way of framing taking hit this game week is that i'm basically handing my mini league rivals a free goals head start is that worth doing probably not the only thing that could pique my interest as we've mentioned a few times is if there's a city team sheet which shows that i have zero or one to see starting then it probably makes sense to take minus four because that is actually minus two or even take minus eight because that becomes minus four nah again probably not worth it maybe i'd take minus four max but basically you've got to be hoping that Legacy picks like Pulisic. Well, I wrote I wrote that note before tonight, um, and uh, you know Chris Wood are ignored by those free hitting and punished on the final day. But yeah, we're up against it really, if not free hitting, because you can optimize so much better with a free hit as in any game week that you free hit. It's just because there's no recourse after this, it can be quite a difficult one. Um, but I think overall, as we've seen, there are huge swings left, right and centre with how everything is going um, at the moment. And you know, it may be the week the free hitters work out. It may be the week the legacy keepers work out. You just don't know. Um, I just keep an eye out on what's going on with the team league for Man City in particular and try to make sensible picks that you're happy with no matter how you're doing your teams. And we'll talk about kind of our, you know, obviously our captains later on. I'll talk about my transfers then later on as well. All right, let's take a break there and move on to Min League and questions after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and um, let's catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. Stag, you've got the numbers. What's happening um, as we approach the final game week of the season? 
Yeah, so not a huge amount of movement, I wouldn't say. Uh, Sean B is up from 12th to 10th, his team, never forget, uh, scored 75 points this week. Salah captaincy, a wee bit of a disappointment for him. Adi Mansour also captained Salah. Um, he's up from 11th to 9th with 78 points, so strong going there. Um, Graham Wilshaw has actually, he's gone up from 9th to 7th, but he actually wildcarded now, which is um, an interesting time to wildcard, to say the least. Um, he'll be pretty disappointed with the Rashford captaincy, but it didn't stop him getting 75 points, which is still extremely respectable this week. Uh, down from 5th to 7th is Jake Gallagher, his team Sheffield Wednesday, 66 points this week. Captain Mane, so he got a little bit out of that, but 66 was uh, probably a little bit low, uh, given the rest of the top 10. Uh, Neil Thompson, he's up from 8th to 6th. His team uh, Venky's out, uh, 77 points. Martial captain, so he, like me, frustrated, but otherwise pretty solid going. Uh, MJ is down from 5th to... Or he's Yeah, he's down to fifth from third. His team, the cop scored 74 points. He captained Salah. Martin Jansen holds fourth. His team, no co enough, uh, 76 points. Martial captain. Alex Coates is the big riser in the top 10 this week. He's up from sixth to second with his team, Haller at me, 91 points in spite of Captain Chris Wood. Now I might say in spite, he did actually return. So he got his seven points doubled there, which is, I guess, better than us, Marshall, people can speak for. But he also had uh, Pope Aurier, Alexander Arnold, Doherty, Tony Marshall. Uh, he had De Bruyne he did indeed have Sterling as well and he had that Greenwood nine-pointer so that's driven him on nicely the top two is unchanged Adam Warner Barry 94 67 points Captain Salah bit of a disappointing one for him I guess overall but he's still up there at the top and Nathan Wollaston is top still with the woolly ones 78 points this week kind of keeping him taking over nicely even though he captained Martial Pope Alexander-Arnold Darty, Wan-Bissaka De Bruyne Son Martial Fernandez, Sterling obviously in there in Ketia and Danny Ings so not too bad going there keep at it guys one more week left yeah, one more week left indeed. Well done, everybody. All right, moving on to the questions then. Uh, as I said, we've peppered a few in up top, and these are kind of the outstanding few. There's still a City question, uh, maybe two in here, but hopefully the rest of them are going to be something a little bit different at least. Um, so the first one is flying high one game week, shot down the next. Uh, Tom Campbell says, hi all. Uh, hi Tom. Uh, hi, looking Tom. forward to the final question. Looking forward to the final pod mates. Um, this is obviously written to me, so I've slightly rejigged it. Um, and thanks to Tom and Nick and Anthony for all of the positive season. Yep. Thanks, dude. Um, my question no, is no problem, Tom. <laughs> my question is: <laughs> Do you guys think the highs still outweigh the lows in playing FPL, or does that depend on how well you've been doing in terms of your overall rank? Uh, so yeah, quite an interesting one. I think maybe a bit more of a, an esoteric one about kind of the nature of FPL and how it impacts us. And um, probably a bad time to ask me because I've just had an absolute dog poo of a game week. Um, but I think you know it, it does all depend on OR to me um, to some extent. But I think getting a tired, tiny bit. Getting a tiny violin out and doing this means there's a magnification of an extra sort of extra sort of fifty percent or something on how well you're doing. It's gotten better for me over the years in terms of not letting the low the lows affect me as much as they used to and ruin weekends as much as they used to. Um, I guess you know it's things that like what we shared in the outcome pods, uh, the way of reframing the question. So I'm a happy with the decision I made. Those things are really important. And I guess all those things are designed as contributions to help managers absorb the loads and find kind of peace of mind, especially in a high variance game, which uh, at times can fetishize a rank and have a sense of sneering elitism, I suppose. Uh, the loads do hurt in short, but not as much. 
and I've kind of gotten to the point now after three years of doing this where I just laugh at the randomness but still take the time to assess my decisions which I'll do at the end of the season uh, the bench boost I mentioned earlier on was great and I made sure to enjoy those moments because they're very fleeting and sometimes you do have the negatives which you just got to roll with and laugh at um and well, that's kind of the way it is really um so in answer to Tom's question I guess um I think the highs, you've got to relish them. You've got to really think about the way in which you do save them and do appreciate them because um, that kind of accounts for the lows, as it were. And you've got to hope you get more highs and lows over the course of the season uh, too. Uh, what do you guys reckon? It is a mixed bag. Um, you have lots of highs, as, as you all know. You have lots of lows as well. And I'd like to say those highs definitely sort of outweigh the lows. Otherwise, it, it would defeat the object of playing. If, if you're finding that you're playing FPO and you're having so many lows and and not too many highs, then it, it, I would suggest perhaps to try and, you know, take a break maybe um, and just have a little bit of a breather before you play again. But ultimately, I think it's not just about the game weeks. It's about the planning, the preparation, picking your team, tinkering with your team. That, that's part of the high as well, part of the fun as well. And it's all sort of like the, the gambling side, as say, as well, sort of experimenting with those setups and before you see if those those gambles pay off and, and many times they do often they don't as well and I think there's a there's a high in that just in general and it's a safe high as well no no money being gambled when you're in truth with FPL compared to sort of like betting websites there's no risk to livelihood it's just for the enjoyment and ultimately the collection of virtual points which we all like to collect so um, I think ultimately it's it, it is more highs than lows Partly because just part of the fun is talking about FPL, talking about setups, planning for the game week, and when the game week goes badly, we move on quickly and start thinking about the uh, the next game week most of the time as well. So uh, yeah, more highs than lows for me. I was thinking about this, and I was I was hoping or maybe wondering if one of you guys were going to kind of say that because I think what Tom's question hints at is that maybe the highs have become less frequent than the lows over time for FPL players or something like that, that maybe the game has become, is that because the game has become harder or whether that's because just maybe we're all more frustrated and polarized as individuals or whatever it may be. Um, But it's interesting, neither of you came at it that way and I wouldn't either. Like even as someone who's had an awful lot of lows in an FPL sense this season, um, I I guess I've maybe taken solace in what FPL does for me, which is, you know, it's it's an extra area of interest for me in a game I enjoy watching and following in far too much detail and enjoy talking about far too much to the, you know, to driving other people demented around me in real life, talking about it kind of constantly and using football as my frame of reference for pretty much almost everything. It's not a healthy thing, but it's great when I've got... um, however many people on Twitter nattering back and forth and Slack chats, etc., to bounce off and see people who kind of have a similar approach to things. And I think maybe that's why there are highs in FPL, um, even when you're having a low season, if we put it that way. But maybe from a more FPL-centric perspective, I, I think when I was doing better, and I think since I've had a Twitter account, I've done poorly, you know, by let's say what, FPL Twitter would, or the subreddit would consider good. I've done poorly pretty much every season. I think I've only had hmm. one top 100k finish since I bloody launched FPL Stag. Two top 100k's? I can't even remember. Like it's you know Basically, I haven't been anywhere even near the top 10k come the end of the season since I launched an account. And that's kind of, I guess, something that all of us would aim for when we start a season at minimum. 
And there were stages when I used to be demented by, oh no, I'd look at like, you know, the top 10K average or the top 1K average in the middle over towards the end of a weekend. And now you just feel crap because, oh, that decision went wrong or whatever. And I, I think slowly, and maybe this is just an emotional maturity thing as well. Um, I've just, just frankly, I'm just nowhere near as affected by it anymore. And uh, that's probably a good thing. And maybe years of um, mediocrity and bad ranks have like inoculated me against the effects of it. And, and maybe just because okay, this has been the weirdest season ever, it has been sad to miss out on like a lot of the more, let's say, extracurricular FPL stuff, like the little events and things. I've tended to kind of catch up with people once, two, twice, three times a season. I was fortunate enough to catch um, a few guys in New York in game week one just in time to see Sterling break my heart for the first time this season when he scored however many zillion points on game week one I think it was a 20 pointer with a hat trick against West Ham on game week one but uh, that's the only time I guess that I've been able to enjoy that this season just because of uh, other commitments in life etc and it's it's sad that I guess with the Irish meetup um, had to be cancelled I wasn't going to be going to it but I know quite a lot of listeners were going to be and other things like that that aren't going ahead and hopefully they will be able to go ahead um, come at game week one or at least the autumn yeah, no, certainly. Um, those getting people together sort of things are a huge byproduct of all of this. I was uh, due to be going to Ireland as well. Uh, it's a shame I couldn't do it and hopefully we'll do that again in the future. Um, but yeah, all of these things are definitely, uh, you know, th- things that I guess are extraneous to FPL, but also are a lot more important, paradoxically, than the game itself uh, some, to, to basically everybody who's part of it as Stanley said having somebody to nutter back at you is really important and you'll find no uh, shortage of that uh, looking at uh, FL Twitter that's for sure right next thing pep roulette lessons or sky blue roulette lessons as Nick would call it um, so Karam Tizer asks what lessons did we learn with pep roulette this season three of the top six scorers midfielder from Man City yet we've always been reluctant to get on uh, the likes of, you know, Mares because of game time fear. So do we demolish the idea of saying, you know, he might be benched, I'm not going to buy him, and replace that with, is he reliable and explosive? I think maybe reliable is a, is a bit of a relative term in terms of Pep, but explosive, yeah, definitely worth talking about. Uh, I mean, what do you guys think? Is it definitely worth looking apart from this, especially with that kind of five sub rule, which could be brought in by the Premier League? Does it all hinge on that, whether we reframe whether the likes of Mares are worth buying next season? So I had a bit of a think about this and um, had a quick look just through this season's Premier League data really quickly. And Sterling and Mares scored a goal each off the bench this season. And um, Lord knows they've both come off the bench quite a few times, obviously more so for Mares than for Sterling. But I guess the five sub rule isn't necessarily something that we need to be um, getting excited about. Of course, it'll make Pep Roulette sharper and maybe it'll be a little bit more forgiving than usual. But you could also take it from the point of view of, oh, well, everyone's going to surely get a half an hour uh, versus the, well, how many players are even going to get the uh, two points for playing 60 minutes uh, consistently. And so I think it's going to come as a double-edged sword for us, the five subs rule. But is there anything we can learn from Pep Roulette overall? No, like I've been playing, we've been dealing with Pep for years and it's just grown more and more frustrating. There's going to be some person who's going to come in over the summer, presumably to replace Leroy Sané, who hasn't, maybe thankfully, hasn't been a facet of Pep Roulette this year, (laughs) but there's going to be a replacement for him who's going to be causing the same consternation. And I guess Foden has now, you know, replaced Dilva properly, but yeah. Bernardo Silva is surely going to return. He was player of the season for City last year, has had been pretty poor and pretty ineffectual this year, but I can't imagine that will continue. He's probably just exhausted. Um, but even like someone like Sterling, like 
it's easy for us to look back and say, oh, he was brilliant. But um, I, Tom, you'll be able to tell me who it was. But one of the guys on Twitter had a great point that, okay, Sterling got his grain week one hattie. That was 20 points. And he's 196 points in the eight game weeks since the game came back. That's half of all his points for the yeah. whole entire bloody season. So it's all like, right. you could be saying, oh, he's dependable and so reliable. And he scored so many points and on a points per game basis. But the fact of the matter is, is that for like a good solid half of this season, or more, he was driving in nuts. Yeah, driving was nuts, wasn't he? Driving so nuts. Yeah. That was an FPL crate digger at that one. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I think as well that the five subs is going to be the anchor here. And will that be instituted in the Premier League? So my way of kind of attacking this question was looking at it from a value point of view uh, rather than the, the pep roulette point of view to some extent. Because the pep roulette is it's kind of like an underlying truism that's always going to be there. We're always going to be kind of dealing with the fact that uh, the, the Mad Castle land is going to be messing players around in right, left, right and centre, depending on the algo or whatever. You've got the likes of Bilver, um, as Stag mentioned, who are probably going to come back. I doubt he's going to be gotten rid of and pet rates him highly. He's had a bad season, but next year, who knows? He could be the guy who sat there with 150 points out of nowhere that we've not, no one, none of us have considered. Um, but the fact is that if there are these five subs, I think that could be really important because I think one of the impacts is that we are going to end up expecting like we have in this restart, one point all over the shop and the bench becomes bare bones beyond, say, a 4.5 million defender in sub one. And also, also if that's the case, I wonder, could it be that, I know it's going to offend people like you know, the stat attack dog, FPR analytic, we value on we value a points per min basis rather than predictability of minutes and how we choose players. Yeah, all right. I know it's powerful knowing that there's a starter, but for a team like Man City, where chance will, will be created at a high rate, your players like Mares, who I mean, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying about him only scoring a goal off the bench, but you know, he's he's actually got the fourth highest points per start and he's got the third highest points per ninety. Um, he's at a middling price, so he started the season eight point five, I think it was. So it was nine point five, um, but he starts the starts the season at a middling price anyway because of the rotation threat. So, does that price now go to outrageous value from being too risky because you've got fifteen uh, five subs? Like basically, is peak and trough better than a drip feed? Now, maybe this will be emblematized really well in the likes of Phil Foden, who we're guessing was going to get similar to Mason Greenwood, maybe like a 7, 7.5, a middling price next year. Now, maybe owning him and just playing him every week and just, you know, some weeks you can get one, other weeks you might get 10 because of the, the amount of chances City create. Surely that could be worth it, right? I mean, in terms of what Karen Taser asked us about, if we've learned anything from Pep, yeah, I don't know if we have really. It's, it's just to expect the unexpected with him. Don't expect even if your player scores a hat trick, say your own Sterling, and you know, or you, you're planning on bringing in Sterling because he's got a hat trick and everyone's bringing him in, he could easily not play the next week, and we've we've seen that in the restart as well. Um, last week Sterling didn't start with that one point, but then. This week, I got 17 points from him. So I think ultimately it's just like, you know, you can try and chase the points. I think a player like Sterling, one a one and a 17 is better than, you know, two six-pointers, obviously. So it is worth chasing those highs, especially for a team like City, as, as, as you both said, that, you know, they're a team that create chances constantly score goals constantly and you know they can win any game five six nil it's just who they play who who starts week in week out we we don't often know but 
I think that there's space in our squads for, you know, at least a couple of these guys. And as long as you've got a bit of coverage, but I think with the five man bench as well, that, that is a bit of a concern in terms of your bench for the following season, because they could come on for one point. Uh, but with, with players like Mario Sterling, even though they perhaps have been a little bit ineffectual um, from the bench, from the stats, they've only scored a couple of goals. I think ultimately, I, I think they're, they're worth having in your team and you're just going to have to kind of deal with the frustrations as and when they come because you might be frustrated one game week but stick with these guys and, and they'll deliver a week later or the week after that. One thing as well, I just think we've we've taken a very negative view of the five subs rule if it does come in. It may also mean that, let's say, players who are kind of seen as second choice just remain that way and just get substituted in really really consistently because a, play, a manager can do that you know now it's been kind of hard to guarantee that a player would get their minutes weekly um off the bench if they weren't starting every second or third game whereas when there is five substitutes it's going to be an awful lot easier to just be like okay Riyadh you're going to get 30 minutes every week no matter what like you know Phil Foden like you never knew when he was going to play for most of this season whereas I think next season we could probably guarantee that someone who's in a a Phil Foden-esque position this year will get their their 10 their 20 their 25 minutes whatever it might be week in week out because there is just the space to do it you've got keep one sub for contingency for an injury two or three more are going to be just refreshing things and then there's another I think that certainly seems to be the, the Klopp approach with your likes of Mina Mino and uh, mm-hmm. Curtis Jones getting their 20 minutes a game um, you know Shakiri as well and Salah and Mane starting week in week out and that's what we like about Salah and Mane is that they do have that security of starts and that's just the that's that, the like concern with Pep's players and Sterling and people with with our like our our brief mention of Matt Dawson uh, meant that the game of rugby has come up once already in this pod, which is probably one more than most listeners want. But like rugby has definitely evolved over the last few years to completely become a squad game. That they've, I think it's uh, Eddie Jones, the England manager, talks about he has starters and he has finishers. And the, the finishers are the players that come off the bench after the break and tend to, because, you know, England have the biggest playing pool in the world um, in rugby, I guess City would have the biggest talent pool in the league, given that they were able to afford it. And so that their finishers come on and actually tend to do an awful lot of the scoring. I know, obviously, rugby, different type of game, how defences work, etc. But I think we will find that teams evolve slightly how they play and how they attack, especially weaker teams, um, when they are able to make the most of more subs, if the rule comes in hasn't been guaranteed yet yeah i mean i wonder if um, maybe one for unix think about in terms of value um over the summer but if we say i don't know likes of salad likes of money they they're bound to pay 70 minutes so does that mean that we look at their value as their price times by the time that we expect them to be on the pitch if the likes of curtis jones and the likes of shakiri or whoever replaces him uh, minamino it looks like he's the Firmino actually replacement but who knows um it, it, does that mean that that moderates how we look at value They're very interesting um but we'll have to see how that sort of shakes out so maybe one for next season and next season us to worry about next thing game week 38 memories so rich nyquist um asked for our best game week 38 memories I haven't had too many good ones, to be honest. Um, last year, I had Captain Zaha. He got three assists, and that was pretty good. And But I remember the year before, I Captain Sterling, who blanked in that 100-point game week. And uh, yeah, I mean, in the past, it's not been great either. So a couple of years ago, me and my friend Takha um, were duking out in the middle league that Stag and Nick, you're both part of. And then we were having a roast dinner on the day, and, you know, it was all 
who were kind of quite jovial, but from 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., we were not friends. I got an early Vardy goal, and I edged them front by three points, right? So I was like, you know, winning them in the league, and I spent £150, you know, I was there. And, you know, uh, and, you know just the approval of all of my peers. And in the 75th minute, Scott Dan got an assist, which netted tack three points plus the one bonus he needed to win it. So, yeah, final days in general have not gone well for me. Uh, Zaha, um, yeah, fair enough, but poor, elsewhere it's not happened. Poor Tack did uh, a year later miss out. Um, he had been gaining on me. My, I had a 100-point lead over him for about, about 10 weeks off, and he ended up getting it down to one solitary point in the final week. So Tack also had some Game 38 he's pain. Always he's always <laughs> uh, But what do you guys think about uh, final uh, final game weeks? I mean, Nick, you're a good double game week 37 specialist, uh, but uh, any 38 memories you can remember that were worth uh, mentioning? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, last year wasn't wasn't particularly exciting. I just ended up on a 57 points, a very beige game week. I missed out on some of those big hauls like PVA and I think Trent, who hauled in that final week. Um, but I remember the year before we started the pods, we had some Ben Davis fun, didn't we? When he um, he got a big haul in that final game week, uh, um, which was brilliant. And then I think um, owning him into the new season when we first started the pod, uh, brought, brought into the occasion the uh, the Ben Davis Shrine, which I've, I have missed actually. I have missed the, the old shrine. Perhaps um, a space for him in my free hit team. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But Ben Davis, that was a, a particular highlight, I guess, of Game Thirty Eight. Low light, I think, was when um, just that season. I think it was when Chris Smalling, um, I owned him, and they were on for a clean sheet, and then he scored an own goal. And the Bournemouth game. That was the game that happened on the Monday after the bomb threat. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I ended up, because of that, I ended up sort of going from about eight points he was on to negative figures or something like that, just in the space of two minutes. It was like really particularly frustrating because that was just a, a series of points that I suddenly lost just at that last minute. And it really bumped my overall rank down, the, the rank that you have on, on the website for eternity by about six or seven K or something. I was just like, no, why did that happen? So I remember that frustration. But uh, yeah, those are my memories at least. I I don't have any like particularly poignant, um, great memory. Like okay, you could say the very nail biting finish last season in the mini league was fun, but it was also like a, a pretty clear example of the fact that my whole entire season had completely collapsed uh, into the uh, final week of the season. So it wasn't um, actually all that enjoyable for me. I think I went from about uh, Ten or twelve k to something like just about a hundred k over the course of the final few weeks. It was a, a complete and utter collapse. So that wasn't pretty particularly fun. But I think in other years, what I have enjoyed is a bit of a punt on the final day of the season. I remember I've got goals from the likes of Olivier Giroud in the final week of the season. I've got goals from Kelechi Hinacho as well when he was at Man City. So that that sort of like bit of a random punt has usually been what I've enjoyed. Obviously, haven't free hit it on that game week thirty eight before. This is a slightly bigger version of that, and I guess maybe. That's the sort of the reason why you can kind of hear that there's a, a punty flair to the sorts of picks I'm going for because it is a game week where there are more goals than usual. And so I feel like you kind of have to chase it and maybe all the motivation stuff that we talked about here on the pod over the last few weeks where who has something to play for or who's getting their chance that they wouldn't usually get. I guess Kelechi would have been a good example of that a few years ago when he, you know, his one game of the year that he would start was um, when Aguero or whoever would be rested uh, ahead of an FA Cup final the City would have inevitably been contesting at the time. So, yeah, I, I do tend to like that aspect of Game Week 38, but there's no particularly brilliant one. There is the one where I had 97 points or something in what it, you called it the 100-point uh, 
game week 38. And I think I was just frustrated that I hadn't got 100 points. So, you know, you win some and you lose some. Okay, right. Let's move on to this game week 38, though. And we have a question from uh, Colm O'Hungla, um, who is at Colm with C-U-L underscore U-M. And he's asking about the, the Razag or... Um, Razag over, so avoid him basically, or captain him again in game week 38. And Varun Kara is asking about the best triple caption option. Is it Kane? Is it Alba? Is it Sterling? Is it David Silva? And also, we have a question from our good friend James Querald who's asking if David Silva is the ultimate ride or die captain this game week. So, lads, thoughts? I think my concern um, when it comes to David Silva is um, if he's going to be substituted early. Uh, 21st minute. <laughs> yeah, so is he is he going to be doing a? Um, he's, he's not going to do he that. Going to be doing a John Terry? Is everyone going to? I'm, I'm, I don't think he's going to have the opposing team line up to let him walk off the pitch. God. But you know uh, that would be incredibly frustrating if he went to captain him in that game and then he he did the early substitution um, to match his team number and uh, and wandered off. He's perhaps not got the same ego as John Terry, so maybe not. But perhaps. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> he certainly has. I've never seen him lift um, the champions uh, in full care or anything when he has not played. But yeah, uh, or do anything with any of his uh, teammates' wives. But uh, <laughs> Tom, edit. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think is this a very interesting captain? If you want to go for it, um, yeah, why not? You know. Prototypes or whatever, and, and Captain Silver. We saw just a couple of game weeks ago. He was the top scoring asset, so he certainly got in his his locker for a quality performance. And you know they're playing bottom of the league, Norwich. So Manchester City assets in terms of the captains, I think, and triple captains, Manchester City assets is where I would go. And the one I'm going for is Sterling. I think he he is the best pick out there personally, in my view. Um, De Bruyne um, has been very good over the course of the season, but. Um, he's been quite frustrating to own in the last five or six game weeks, just getting his solitary assists. But he um, is still going for that assist record, um, trying to beat Thierry Henry's record there. Um, so, you know, he, he's going to be wanting to get attacking returns for sure. But um, Sterling, I think, is probably the more explosive of all the City assets available and the one that I would um, probably recommend over everyone else. If City win a penalty, and obviously De Bruyne would be the one taking it, will he do one of those pass penalties to get that last assist? You know, where someone else runs in and finishes it instead. Uh, Henri Perez type thing. Will he do it? He's overthinking that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a missed penalty, you know? No good. <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, so to answer these questions, and um, so Colm, I think... Um, I don't think the raw zag is over, to be honest. I think there's still going to be a chorus of people such as myself who just don't own the guy. Um, so you're still going to have a lot of benefit over those sorts of people. I don't think it's going to be 100% owned in the top 10K, 100K. Um, he's got the most points since restart of any player. And I think he's still going to be a great option for your armband. Uh, in terms of Dilver, uh, so um, you know, just to ask, uh, answer Varen and uh, also answer David uh, uh, James Q's question. Yeah, I mean, he is a final game uh, captain. I think it's very difficult to look at him and think, yeah, you know, they're going to be setting him up. They're going to be uh, putting him on free kicks. I think Sterling may get the penalties, but I mean, they're going to be basically doing anything, everything they can to make sure the captain for the day gets a goal, gets something to remember his city career by. So I think he's going to be yeah, definitely worth your look. And either way, Norwich are there for the taking. No matter how 
how I looked at it, basically. And they've had the highest actually conceded since the restart, the highest shots on target since the restart, the highest, the highest, the highest, etc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the data is there to point to cricket score. Cricket score. Um, and I think it's going to be, as we mentioned earlier, so anchoring on that city leak um, in terms of what most people do. Um, Outside of those guys, just to mention your triple caption options, or if you are looking to really gain, um, the fact is that if you aren't going to captain outside of a City game, um, you probably have scope to make huge gains if that City game doesn't go your way. Looking at the data, that's unlikely. I don't think anybody's going to be sitting there going, yeah, you know what, Norwich could win 1-0 with a pooky goal. No, that's that's probably not going to happen. What about 3-2, Tom? Yeah, maybe sure, someone on Twitter has said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure someone has has thrown some poo at the wall and are hoping it sticks so they can quote retweet it on, some, on Sunday. Some, some crap about like Andy Carroll scoring a brace or something. Yeah, yeah. it's just, just someone so they can be like, <laughs> yeah, you know what, lads, got that right. And um, yeah, I mean, a couple of other options out there. So Kane uh, versus Palace, who um, considered the most big chances, uh, joint most big chances since the restart, as I mentioned, and um, Salah. As a Newcastle, their defence has been fairly diabolical since the restart. Another good example of the team on the beach. And they can see the second most chance from the left flank, uh, which is where Salah is going to be operating. Uh, so on the right uh, against the left flank. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a nice segue on to transfers and captains. Um, it sounds like basically Captain City will die. Um, but what we're going to be doing elsewhere then, so you guys are both from free hit. Um, just to enlighten people on my, uh, on my transfers for... I don't, know, I don't know who cares at this point, uh, but if anyone does care, um, if I'm going to have to basically be looking at what Sean Dye says about uh, Charlie Taylor. Yeah, that sounds so exciting. But that is literally what it's, my it's on my mind too, Dan. It's on my mind. What my chances you know. <laughs> boil down to? Um, so if Charlie Taylor isn't fit, then I could be looking potentially at moving uh, or Dawson onto Bardsley. But looking at Dawson's data and looking at Arsenal, I may have talked myself into playing Dawson. I don't know. Um, so Put yourself up, Dawson's. Yeah, Dawson's Creek indeed. Um, <laughs> and I, I you know, before this, I was looking at Pulisic to Lucas Moura. But the thing is, Pulisic has just come off the bench and completely changed the game against Liverpool. Um, so probably I should be playing Pulisic, right? So that means Foden gets benched. So it doesn't really matter whether he starts or doesn't. If he starts, then I've got a bit of a problem because I don't. Then do I bench Wood? Do I? I don't even know. It really depends on that Man City team sheet. It's all about that. I'm probably going to be doing a really boring defensive switch. I'm probably going to you know, bench Dawson and play the likes of Bardsley or Pieces. God, it's so boring how it's all uh, how it's all figured out. I feel like kind of the final transfer is literally going to be Phil Bardsley. I genuinely feel like Mark Corrigan in terms of FPL. Oh, it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> that just seems to, seems to be the way it's gone. Um, I wish I'd do something sexier. I wish I do, but I'm at 0.0. Like, there's, there's really not very much I can do now. Um, and that's just the way it is. I've backed myself into a cul-de-sac and I've got to just deal with that. And probably I'm going to have to just cover the burn defence and move on with my life, which I'm, I just can't wait to put my misery in terms of the season. What are you guys going to do? Sterling captain, wait for some leaks, make some transfers in a hurry um, in the 15 minutes beforehand on Sunday. Broadly, the triple up on City attack, triple up on Burnley defence, my first ever triple up of any kind um, defensively, which is going to make me incredibly nervous. More pay um, will make you pay. Yep, basically. And um, I'll, uh, I think I will have to have a Liverpool player in my team because the idea of having none is a little bit ridiculous. Um, 
Harry Kane, Vardy is going to stay. I think it's just we go we go again, and hopefully we get a three a one hundred point game week. I think it'll be my only one of the season if I actually manage to get over that line. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, but it'll be Raheem Sterling. I think that I'll be trusting with the captaincy. Much as I'd love to do the ride or die David Silva thing, it just seems a little bit too risky. Yeah, for for myself, it's just going to be Sterling as the captain, um, obviously in free hitting, so I've ran through the team there. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, that's it really. I think uh, nothing else to add here, just to remind people who we are, are who got the assist, and we'll be back on Monday, won't we, for the final part of this season. Yeah, yep. And after that, we'll actually have a two-week break. Imagine um, before we'll be coming back because the old fixtures will be announced and that may coincide with the game reopening. We uh, we don't quite know, but there's a short turnaround, so everything has to come together pretty fast. So there'll be a lot of pre-season pods and a short pre-season at the wrong time of the year. Yeah, uh, and I also, uh, excitingly or boringly, depending on your perspective, be receiving the talisman value data um, earlier next week. So I'll be writing those up with gusto and uh, familiar witticisms and idiosyncrasies um, probably early on uh, next week as well uh, for your delectation. Um, but yeah, I'll be looking forward to that short break. I think it's been a very, very long period of podding, um, uh, much longer than we anticipated this season. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this being the last night edit of them all. Um, but yeah, uh, in general, hope to see you uh, in the final game week. I uh, look forward to coming back to you for the final pod of this season on Monday, as Nick mentioned. Uh, take care and speak to you then. See you then, guys. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.